Ohio State basketball not finishing the regular season on the high note they had hoped. Some Buckeyes definitely taking advantage of their time at the NFL Combine and spring practice is, gosh, just about a week away. We'll talk about all that and more in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Genner. Johnny, it was a tale of two games for our beleaguered, beleaguered basketball Buckeyes last week. On the one hand, Joey Brunk almost single-handedly helps the Buckeyes to a decisive victory over Michigan State, whose uh, head coach tournament Tom Izzo has made doing well in March a bit of an art form. And yet, Buckeyes got the upper hand in Columbus. We'll talk about Izzo's comments in a minute. And then when Michigan came to town to close the regular season for senior day, the Buckeyes fell horribly horribly flat and dropped a big stinker. How do we reconcile the fact that Ohio state looked fantastic against Sparty and looked like total refried booty against the hated <laughs> Wolverines? I, I mean, and they didn't look like booty until the second half. And that's, I don't know. What's frustrating about that is yeah, you can talk about injuries and whatnot and that's fine. And yes, you are missing, you know, some of your key guys and, you know, pun intended. Um, but I, yeah, <laughs> I can't even enjoy it. I can't even enjoy the pun. Um, but really it speaks to coaching and that's, and I, I know like you, you want to kind of dance around that a little bit, I think, because we don't want to make any like total proclamations, or at least maybe we've shied away from doing that on the dubcast with regards to Chris Holtman, but to me, that's a coaching issue. It really is. You have the talent to win that game. Michigan's not a good team this year. You were dominating them in the first half and you come out, come out in the second half and you just look like ass. And that's, that's on coaching to me. That's a coaching problem. And they should have won that game. They should have won that game easily. In my opinion, uh, you don't come out and look that bad. Um, so I just, I don't know, man, I, I don't know what to expect of this team in either the big 10 tournament or the NCAA tournament. My hopes are incredibly low. Like I, I do not have very high expectations with this team whatsoever going forward. Uh, to me, the larger issue, and, and I don't really want to rehash the Michigan game per se, but the larger issue, as far as Holtman's future goes they've got a lot of guys coming in who can make an impact next season. And if they don't do that immediately and, and look like a team that can challenge for the big 10 title, whether that's a realistic goal or not, I'm pretty much done with the, with the dude. And I feel bad saying that because he's a great guy, but that's really the way they've closed out the past two seasons is just kind of unacceptable. Um, you, you can't be doing that. You can't be losing, you know, what they're, four games in a row one season three or four the next season just limping into the postseason and obviously last year you know, losing as a two seed um i just i don't know man it, this to me like i said speaks to coaching and a lack of preparation understanding what needs to be done to get players playing where they need to be i you know I don't know. How did you, cause that was the other thing, man. How did you feel about Holtman's comments after the game where it's like, I, I kind of like where this team's at, right? Like, what are you talking about? March, How is that possible? March 10th, 2021, 11 warriors published uh, a story under the headline. Chris Holtman thinks Ohio state is quote in a good place in yeah. quote entering big 10 tournament, despite four game losing streak. Here we are 12 months later and he's making comments like that after losing three of four. What are we talking about? I mean, time is a flat circle. And when you said at the top of the program there that versus Michigan, they didn't look that bad until the second half. Good Lord, how many games this season could you have said that exact thing where the team right. plays fine? Maybe, they, maybe they're not even at the lead at the half, but they played, you know, they played a close first half. Or, or even more maddening were the ones where they raced out to a great lead in the first half. And then frittered and fiddle farted it away in the second half. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't know how, and, and I think it was EJ Liddell, you know, after the game, uh, made some comment about, you know, they needed to play with more, more passion or more. I have to find the, the actual quote, but made some comment that they needed to give more. How much do you need to get up for a senior day, regular season finale at home versus Michigan? Like right. th that, that to me, 
uh, is was was a maddening set of comments. I I don't get that at all. Uh, one of the things that has really bothered me is is I I feel like the Ohio State fan base, and we talked about this a few episodes back, has been super reactionary with Holtman in the early part of his tenure. But now I I like you am to the point where okay, it's it's put up or shut up time. Right. Uh, you can you can talk about injuries. That's certainly a thing. You can talk about you know, guys that you don't have available, certainly a thing. What would this team look like with just suing in the rotation? Fair question. Um, you know, giving him, giving him some benefit of the doubt for some of the flaky transfer issues, the guys that left the program, uh, after, you know, he's done a, a I think a commendable job on the recruiting front. And as you mentioned, the guys coming in here in the next class, certainly are reason to be excited we were here less than what three weeks ago talking about this team as a legitimate potential regular season title holder. You know, there was a right. chance not that many weeks ago that Ohio state could catch Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, and get into the conversation for at least a share of the regular season crown. And now we're talking about them as a six seed in the tournament or and, seven. I mean, and, and, like yeah, yeah, right. Right. Or, or worse. Right. Uh, so to, to me, that's a big problem. Things I don't like, you know, they avoided the January slump this year. That's great, but it turned into the March slump. Not great. Uh, the fact that you've got now back-to-back -back seasons where you've ended the regular season on a losing streak, not great going into the postseason tournament. And, and does anyone really expect them to make this run after having the double buy almost sewn up? It felt like at one point, D does anyone feel good about them going in and making a run in this tournament and playing on championship? weekend I, I i guess i don't i don't have yeah. that confidence in this team because they have been anything but consistent great start to the season i think they opened up what like eight and two mm -hmm. you know great at home up until march we were talking about a team that was at one point 10 and 0 11 and 1 you know at home it was fantastic home it felt like you had a real home court advantage and you know down the stretch here march has just been abysmal uh, and that that's problematic. And I'm with you. It, it says something to coaching. You've got an assistant coach now leaving to go take uh, the reins at Illinois State. So we're going to see some coaching turnover, whether Ryan, uh, whether whether uh, Ryan being the coach who was leaving, um, <laughs> but whether Coach Holtman wanted to have some turnover or not, and he's going to have it. And, and that will certainly be an interesting question. I guess my question back to you, Johnny, is, is having said all this, that we're two guys who have been pretty um amicable to giving holtman as much leash as he needed and, and are now getting fed up how short is that leash at this point let's pretend that this plays out like it did last season and it's a first round bounce again because holtman sure. has not gotten past the first round in the tournament with this team is 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 next season it is the seat that hot well i mean he hasn't he hasn't gotten past the first weekend he's i mean that was the thing though because the first couple years, Holtman pulled off, I think, a couple of wins in the tournament that people didn't quite expect, right? It was a rebuilding thing like, oh, okay, well, maybe this guy's going to have some success, some success. And that was the limit. That was the, the, you know, the height of what we could expect is what it seems so, so far in this, this experiment. And I, yeah, man, like I'm done. I mean, I, I, that's again, a dramatic thing to say, but if we're here in 12 months saying the exact same things again, and he wasn't able to accomplish big things. And I don't mean just saying like, I'm going to hold serve with these new guys. I want him to actually succeed and challenge for a big 10 title next season. And I don't really care what the expectation should be. That's what the standard has to be. And so again, like I know people are like, well, you know, we won't necessarily have the experience coming back and all this other stuff. I don't care at this point in Holtman's tenure that's what he should be accomplishing. So if that's not getting accomplished next season, I'm fine with him getting canned um, at the end of next season. That's really where I'm at right now. I'll give him another season, but if we're having the same conversation in a year, then I'm done with the Duke because yeah. you've got to be able to find somebody. You don't need to, you don't need to win the big 10 every season. You don't even need to really challenge for the big 10 every season, but you've got to be building towards that on a regular basis and, and not, collapsing at the you know end of february early march repeatedly that that can't happen um so yeah like i said if, if we're here again in a year then then i'm done 
I, and thanks for correcting me. I, I meant to say the, it hasn't made it past the first weekend, uh, not the first round. So thank, thanks for catching that and knowing what I, what I meant to say and stuff, what I actually said. Uh, it, it, and, and I think the thing that has always bothered me, you know, I was pretty vocal in the later years of the Mata uh, era that it was time to move on because it was very clear that the standard was relatively, no, now I'll, I'll admit he had earned that runway, uh, but the standard in those latter years seemed to be like, well, dude, one twenty games were good. Right. And, and I'm, I guess I was always one that said Ohio state's expectations should be championship caliber in any sport. We're going to bother to field, you know, whatever that is, Ohio state should have. And it feels like people have always sort of made the excuse that, well, basketball's different. Well, basketball's different. Uh, okay. But it can be a I, little different. It can't be that different. Well, that, that, that's, that's, that's my thing. You know, having, having covered the wrestling team, I, you know, I can tell you the expectation there is, is championship or bust. Like the last mm-hmm. few years have been very hard for fans of Ohio state wrestling, because the expectation is you're going to be competing for big 10 and NCAA titles every season. And, and that, you know, the last couple of seasons where, where they've been more of a challenge and haven't been at that level, you, you know, you start to see people getting, getting really frustrated. So when you're talking about basketball, it's like, I, I, I never have understood why we sort of put that asterisk on basketball. Like, well, you can't have the same expectations for football. All right. Well, so maybe it's not literally NCAA title or bust every year, like Ohio state football seems to be, but the expectation you know, should, should be high, should be very high. Um, and, and now, you know, five, five years into the Holman experience, I, I guess I'm not seeing any improvement. If you look at his record, um, you know, 25 and nine, 20 and 15, 21 and 10, 21 and 10 currently stands at 19 and 10. Uh, you look at the conference record, 15 and three, eight and 12, 11 and nine, 12 and eight, 12 and eight. That's remarkably consistent but not consistently good enough. <laughs> and, and that's, that to me is the problem is like, okay, where's the progression? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and furthermore, if I go back to his Butler Bulldogs, you know, yeah. 23 and 11, 22 and 11, 25 and nine, that last season. Yeah. That's really great. You made it a sweet 16. Mm-hmm. It's one sweet 16 and now approaching a decade of coaching Yep. in, in division one. So, you know, that, that to me, and, and, and I, and I have to say that like, Coach Yashevsky just retired at Duke, right? Mm-hmm. Coach Yashevsky would never have gotten hired by Duke today if he came with the record he had at Army before Duke hired him. Like, if you go back and no, look, I mean, well, that's right, and that's the, the, so, the so. I so I so not to be so not to be a hypocrite, you know, and say like on one hand, I do believe that people tend to give coaches too short a leash in some yeah. cases, you know, this expectation that, okay, guy's been here two years. Why the hell are we not winning a title? Like mm-hmm. that, that's ridiculous. The people who wanted to fire Holtman in, in 2019, 2020, you know, like, okay, get out of here with that nonsense. I, I didn't have any patience for it. Um, and there, and let's, let's be honest. There have been people who have been, you know, on the war path since they didn't get to the final four in year one, you know, they're, they're just, we have a, a contingent of crazy people in the fan base. But I, I, I guess I'm just running out of patience because the expectation should be high because I'm well, not right. seeing the progression. Well, and it's, I mean, think about the resources that Ohio state has and, and what they're capable of attaining, right. With, with the, the money, the financial backing, the, the fan base, all that other stuff, you should be accomplishing more than what. I think is currently being seen out of the basketball team. Right. And I don't think anybody would argue with that. Right. The, the expectations are higher than the results. And that's, you can have more leeway because it's basketball instead of football at Ohio state, but you can't have that much leeway. Right. And you do have to see improvement. You want to see a year to year change in the, you know, in the upward trajectory, you want to see that go to go North. You don't want to see things go South or st- even staying the same honestly if, if you're operating from a position of you know bailing out in the first round of the ncaa tournament or getting upset or all this other stuff um so that's what i mean like at ohio state the leash has to be short i mean that's just the way it, the way it is and i know that someone like um you know gene smith is looking at this and not thinking like okay well we'll just holtman's a good dude we can keep him around forever i I know the expectations are higher than that and i don't need to you know 
alert the admin that that's that's what the the <laughs> fan base wants. I, I but but seriously, like Ohio State, you know, there's super high expectations. Um, but I just don't think that. I, I think what's frustrating about all of this is kind of what we mentioned earlier, where you have. Holtman coming out and saying like, you know, trust the process essentially. And I like where the team's at and we're, you know, we're going to get through it and Barbara and you can't control for X, Y, and Z. And at a certain point, you kind of just have to acknowledge that things kind of suck right now. And you have to do a lot to try to make sure that they get better. Um, Cause like I said, otherwise that's, that's not the standard that Ohio state holds itself to just in general for these major sports. Um, you know, that Mata, that Mata definitely deserved to lose his job towards the end of his tenure. He was not, you know, he was not living up, up to expectations, but he also, you know, it's not like the guy was around for 10 years, you know, being mediocre and bad before he got canned. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it wasn't some long, long thing where it's like, oh, well, finally, I guess we'll put up with that Mata and, you know, people just got sick of it. Like he didn't perform for several years in a row, not a, not a ton, but several years and then got fired because of it. Mm-hmm. And right now, if, if we're in that process and you're thinking about it with regards to Holtman, well, okay. I think we're about two thirds of the way there at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had really four years. I, I would say, I think when you could really say the, the, the bloom was off the rose, because if you look yeah. at, you look at coach Mata's you know, career obviously is his second season in, you know, they're winning, they're winning the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a that you, winning the regular season. And then the next season winning the regular season and the conference tournament, uh, of course, national title runner, runner up that year, obviously the high watermark. Um, and then things, you know, there were, there's a couple bumpy roads. You made the NIT in 07, 08, uh, 08, 09 was nothing to write home about, but then you're, back to winning conference champion and regular season championship, uh, the tournament and the regular season back-to-back years, sweet, sweet 16, back-to-back years, final four, elite eight, um, but still in contention for the, I think they won the conference tournament that year. And then after that, it was fifth, sixth, seventh place in the conference and not making it past the first weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously then those last two years NIT and and not not making the tournament at all so not great the but it was four years right so you're I'm, I'm with you yeah you're you're on that same trajectory now where it's like okay uh and if you look at those seasons 25 and 10 24 and 11 21 and 14 17 and 15 uh you know and not making 500 in the that's really what did it i think there is that you didn't break 500 in the conference but you're looking at a similar record right you're you're yeah. looking at those 21 22 losses uh it's just yeah it's just not good enough so where do they go from here i think one of the things that's sh- that i i struggle with in having any kind of optimism for this postseason is the idea that they're they're pretty banged up right now you've got the zed key situation you had you know kyle young um was out there was a guy that they badly missed in those games um can they be healthy enough can well guys like Justin Irons finally put up some quality minutes? No, and this is one of the things I think bothers me about Holtman. Back to your thing about the coaching, he's like sometimes I really look and say, Why is this guy getting minutes? And I don't mean Justin Irons specifically because there's more than one guy that you could have this question course, about. Yeah. Where, where you just look and say, Why is that dude getting minutes? Yeah. Now, I mean, I'll grant you, then you have something like the Joey Brunk game where Brunk comes out against Michigan State and. You know, yeah, but that was like a complete necessity, com- though. Like, it, I, you yeah, know, I guess. Yeah, it, it's not like he was in there because Holman just kind of was like throwing spaghetti at the fridge, which you know he has done. Um, I mean, he he had to play Brunk because he didn't have a choice. But I'm I'm with you, man. Like, you, there are a lot of just weird decisions where you're like, I don't. This guy's not going to contribute. Why is he in? Um, Playmaking and, in the last you know minutes of games, like some of the yes, what, yeah. What, what are you What are you doing? Some of those management questions i mean like and i'm a nobody from nowhere who knows nothing about drawing up x and o's in basketball and i'm watching this thing what are you what are you doing yeah what, what was that play was that a play i don't <laughs> uh those are the things that bug me because it seems like for the, all the things that he gets right like I, it feels like you know Holman, holtman gets when he came in and 
and we're going to play in St. John Arena, and we're going to do these throwback uniforms, and he says the right things, and you like him, and you like that he's not an unmitigated jackass like a Brad Underwood or a Juwan Howard. You love that, but then then you watch the actual product on the floor, and you say, okay, you got to step it up. Yeah, you know, no, and that's... Well, and it's not just that, though. Like, I, I think with you, really, it is... I agree. Like, it's a lot of it is just the coaching, and I just... I don't know, man. Like I said, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the actual tournaments and maybe some crazy stuff will happen and they surprise people. And, but I don't know, just given the fact that they just seem like a, a lost team way too often in the last, you know, five to 10 minutes of every single game. Uh, I just, I don't see how that translates into success in tournament time. Um so hopefully we're wrong and, and they come out and they look great. And then we don't you know have to have this conversation again, but uh, I, I am not super confident about that. So. All right. So looking ahead at the bracket, uh, you're coming into it with uh, the, the six seeds. So you're, you're going to play Penn state or Minnesota. Uh, you know, the, that's, that should be a winnable game. Fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. No big deal. And then you got Purdue. Well, well even I don't, I mean, I don't know that it's no big deal. <laughs> like, Purdue, you could lose that first game. They lost to Nebraska. I mean, granted, Nebraska is playing pretty well recently, but yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, we could be talking about football again, but Nebraska is the best awful team in America right yeah, now, right? But, that, but, but you know what I'm saying, though, man? Like, I don't think they can afford to believe that they can win any of these games. Just, I, I, well, like, I agree with that. Yes, they should absolutely go into it, you know, thinking that every game is 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 must win. Well, because it is. But but, well, but not I'm, just I'm must say, win, but a team that can that can beat them. They have to believe that it's not like oh we should go in and beat this team. They the way they're playing right now, they need to go in and say this team's probably better than us. They're probably playing better than us right now. Let, let, um, and that let, may let not necessarily be true, but based on how they have played versus Penn State and Minnesota this season, I'm 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 going to choose to say they're good enough to win that game that that's that's how i'm going to approach it because i think they are good enough i'm not i'm not going to i'm not going to be totally defeatist even after my even after spending the first half hour of this program Mm -hmm. (laughs) sounding probably pretty dejected about right i'm going to choose to believe that they can win that game but but my point is then the second game is purdue yeah you know do i think they're going to win that game do i think they could win that game oh sure they could they can win that game. Are they going to? I'm sure as hell not betting any money on that game. Yeah. No. I'm just saying, man, we, we come back here in a week and it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe they lost their they lost the first game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tender. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. It won't be the most shocking thing that we've ever talked about. No, I wouldn't be surprised either. And that's it's it's not a talent thing. Like I said, that to me indicates coaching. And so, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. So they're um, gonna tip off March 10th at you know probably nine o'clock uh after the Maryland Michigan State game. So that'll be interesting. We'll have that to talk about. And then uh then the, the quarterfinals get on the eleventh. So lots to talk about next week in terms of the Big Ten basketball tournament and be previewing uh where the team goes from there. Other big thing that happened this week, speaking of, of uh, uh, things that happened in the Circle City, uh, the NFL Scouting Combine. You know, this is kind of fun, Johnny. I was last week on the road for my day job, and I was in Indianapolis for a convention of swine veterinarians, so pig doctors. And it was kind of comical. The day I was checking out of my hotel, uh, as that conference was ending, all of the folks for the combine were coming in. So you had a hotel with about a thousand swine veterinarians and everybody else there was working for a team or the league or an agency or something along those lines. It was a really interesting mix of people in one hotel room. Nice. Uh, and some of the hallway conversations were, were, were kind of comical. Uh, it felt like half the coaching staff of the 49ers was at the hotel there. Uh, I want to say it's a lot, a lot of people from the jets, uh, Ohio State's players certainly have uh, had a had a decent week, particularly wide receivers Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, as expected. They're uh, two of the biggest two of the biggest highlights. Uh, I know <laughs> you you had a vested interest in uh, Chris Olave's forty time, the hand timing versus the official timing, giving you the old okie dokie because originally Olave was timed at was it four two six. Yeah, something like that. And the 40, and uh, then later came the 439, which actually was a hundredth of a second slower than Garrett Wilson, who clocked in at 438. Mm-hmm. You, you, you had a pretty great article teed up for when it was 
four two. Yeah, six. I did like an hour of re- like research <laughs> and like prep work for it too, which is stupid. Because <laughs> I should have known that they were going to change the time. I don't know why. I didn't realize that was a possibility, but the moral of the story in any event being that both guys pretty fast both guys look pretty electric in drills um i i I would say both of them did what they needed to do at this glorified job interview to to go uh in the first round or pretty close to it does that yeah line up with how you watched the annual uh (laughs) beauty pageant that is the combine i mean yeah and that's the thing like i i've know we've talked about this before but i i find myself getting less and less interested in the combine pretty much every year and it's part of it is that players are getting smarter and that they have decided to stop you know doing all of the things that are kind of being asked regularly you know what i'm saying like the player will be like "Ah, i'm not doing the bench press how about that and i was i was shocked to see that jeremy ruckert was the only Buckeye who did the bench press that that you know Thayer Mumford, Nicholas Pettifrer, Haskell yeah. Garrett, Tyreek Smith, but, guys that you no but I mean those are guys like who cares if a wide receiver does the bench press? Sure. Or not? I I don't care I don't care but you expect particularly an offensive lineman right like yeah. you're gonna go out there and beast that thing out I mean I remember talking about um uh you know some of Ohio State's offensive linemen here in in Billy Price I think was it Billy Price it was like pushing the record or something oh, like right. that yeah you wanted to try to break it yeah. You know, so, you know, seeing these guys that just were like, yeah, now nah, I'm good. Uh, that that kind of, I mean, on one hand, it surprises me. Um, on the other hand, you know, you're, I think you put it well, like maybe they're just being smart. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's do, <laughs> let's do an exercise, potentially get a pec tear or whatever, you know, like, I, yeah. And people purpose? have done that. Guys have done that. Yes, they have <laughs> doing that and trying to like squeeze out an extra rep on the bench. And it's just, I don't know, man, to me, like you're so close and we talk about, you know, trying to maximize your earning potential and all that kind of stuff. And maybe, you know, maybe you go out there and you have a really great performance and, and you make yourself a couple million bucks by running a great 40 time or doing, you know, some really like, I don't know, some amazing things on the standing high jump or you rip out 40 you know reps on the bench or whatever that's fine i mean that's that's you know make your money um but i just like i guess the reason why it's gotten less interesting to me is not necessarily because the players are doing less or anything like that it's because i feel like a lot of it feels really predetermined if that makes sense mm-hmm. like a lot of the narrative has already kind of been set i don't know unless <laughs> you know like chris olave for example unless chris olave went out there and ran like a five flat right and dropped every pass thrown at him or whatever and and, and just stumbled over his own feet constantly he's gonna get drafted pretty much where people expect him to get drafted it just it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of movement um unless it's like one guy that people just had never heard of doing something crazy for Ohio state players. It kind of feels like what you see is what you're going to get and they're not going to do anything to hurt their draft stock. So they're not going to do a whole lot to try to help it either. So you're kind of just going to, you know, you're going to get Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson running pretty good 40 times and, you know, minimizing everything else. And I think those two guys are great examples of exactly, you know, what you're talking about because they didn't, I don't think they improved their draft stock any, they, no, they, they, they they met expectations yeah, yeah, that, they, yeah and that's, exactly and that's right. what they and th- that is all they wanted to do right yeah. like neither of those guys is like i'm going to show everybody that i'm a top 10 big now probably not I don't and, think and they didn't need to that. you know that's the other thing i would say they didn't need to because right. their play during the season was sufficient like we're already talking about them as first ra- first exactly. round guys exactly. you know it's it is known that they're first round talent so not not necessary what i find interesting and and you know this is kind of maybe part of my interest in figuring out what the future of televised sports is in general or just how we interact with uh college football or the nfl in general the nfl combine like i wonder how many what's the future of this product uh, looking at this year, there was, you know, the agents and, and various people pushed back against the league for some of the things the league wanted to do in terms of the, uh, what, 
how they were administering it and kind of the, the, the quarantine aspect of it, I guess you'd say. Uh, and the NFL had to acquiesce. I, I heard something today from, from some of our guys that there's discussion about having different position groups work out the combine in different parts of the country. Yeah. Uh, and I think if I were a team or a scout or an agent, I would think that was the worst thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> it's a why terrible the, idea. Why in the hell do I want to send half my what scouting? An awful why, idea. Why, if I'm a general manager of a team, do I want to send my scouting staff into five different cities around the country? And I don't right. understand what the benefit of that would be to the NFL. So I, you know, I just wonder for all the reasons you said as players get smarter, or, or have more agency and to, to be able to say, I don't need to do that. Thanks. Uh, and if the NFL isn't going to require them to do the bench press per se, or whatever it happens to be, what is the future of the combine? I mean, obviously it still makes great programming and content. There's no doubt that if you're a sports broadcaster, uh, you know, if you're an ESPN, if you're you know, in the NFL network, certainly, mm -hmm. you know, you love the combine, but what's this thing look like in two, five, 10 years? I don't know. I mean, it feels like it's getting so like granular now, you know, it's, it's being, it's, it's atomizing. If that makes sense there, it's, it feels like it's um, they're, they're trying to get so much blood from the stone that eventually it's going to become meaningless. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, okay, let's have, instead of 30, bowl games let's have 100 bowl games <laughs> let's put yeah. everybody's in a bowl game the, yeah. the idea is like you want so much of a good thing because the dictates of increased profits and increased viewership keep demanding more and more and more and more that eventually it's going to kind of you know eat its own tail and then just you know fall apart it, it you you can't you know to <laughs> to quote <laughs> to quote bilbo baggins it's it's you know like not enough butter stretched out over too much bread, you know, it's just, <laughs> but that's seriously, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's not enough substance for what you're trying to wring out of it. They they're doing this. They've done this with the draft, right? Yes. At a certain point, you're going to have an entire week long draft, right? Each round is going to get its own day. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's what they think will, will draw, you know, viewership and, and, and they can get advertising dollars for it. And at a certain point, you just stretch something too thin and it snaps. Um, but so far, it hasn't for the NFL. I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like, I can say that, but their viewership numbers are still pretty darn good. Um, they did really well in the past season, obviously. And they feel that as long as they keep giving more and more content, people are going to watch it. So, yeah, I think it's insane to stretch out the draft that way and then, you know, put position groups over the course of a longer period of time and more cities and all that crap. But if people turn into it, then I guess it works out. I don't know. I, I think it's dumb as hell though. And I, I, I will not be watching. Yeah. I remember when they, you know, pre COVID they were talking about moving the draft to Las Vegas and the discussion was they're going to put the player who's being drafted or whatever on the on a barge and float them out across the yeah, lagoon of the right. bellagio to the stage and i was like okay this thing's finally jumped the shark you're like so can we just actually get a shark in <laughs> the fountains of the bellagio yeah. and they can jump over it because that's yeah. really that's really what we're doing this thing is jump the shark and that's that's where it's going it feels like with the combine uh one of the things that came out of the combine was some discussion about ohio state's uh, future players are uh, mm -hmm. Dan Hope and others covering the Buckeyes uh, asked players who are participating in the combine who's going to have a big year next year with spring practices starting next week some names that came out Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Garrett Wilson was was asked about that and he identified route man Marv as somebody he would watch uh and and praised harrison one of my favorite by the way one of my favorite nicknames yeah, i, I love that so much uh wilson also singled out uh, rising sophomore emeka Ibuka. um so i think those are those are two guys we probably already had circled on uh our list as as guys to watch next year chris Olave mentioned Ibuka, julian fleming uh jaden ballard as potential impact players at wide receiver uh, I don't think any of that's any, anything new. Um, mm -hmm. Tyreek Smith talked about Josh Fryer as an offensive lineman to watch. 
Teron Vincent was a guy that uh, uh, Haskell Garrett and uh, Smith both talked about when excited to ask who they were excited to see step on the defensive line. So, you know, nothing, nothing really surprising out there, but uh, the, the other story I thought was really good. Dan had a nice piece about new Ohio state safeties coach, Perry Eliano, uh, some of his players, Kobe Bryant, the Thorpe award winner talking at the combine said that coach Eliano helped him understand the game of football uh, mm-hmm. and to become a better player, a better man. And just really, uh, much like Jim Knowles's players at Oklahoma state, it was nice to hear these Cincinnati guys speaking very highly of their now former coach. Cause there's no reason that, that, you know, they didn't, they don't have to butter Eliano's bread if he was really not good. So I guess all that to say, I'm, I'm starting to think about getting a bit excited about football coming back into our lives soonish. Yeah, man. Well, they're saying all the right things, you know, about the new guys and the new coaches and it's time to see it in action, you know, like again, it's, it's spring, right? So you're not really going to know too much about what that's going to look like, but uh, I'm excited. I want to see, I I just want to see something out on the, (laughs) either the practice field or the playing field, whatever it looks like. Uh, I, there's so much potential and you know what Ohio state is capable of if they have a solid defense um, because of how good that offense is going to be. And I I'm ready. I'm ready to be emotionally invested, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I want, I want to have my expectations super high because you've got a whole revenge thing against Michigan coming up. You've got, you know, uh, the expectations of having a defense that can dominate and, and look really good, hopefully for a while this time. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited for this. Spring practice officially kicked off today, the first of 15 practices during spring ball. The team will practice twice before spring break, reconvene for the third practice on March 22nd, and then practice three times for each of the next three weeks after spring break. Four practices during the final week of the season, culminating in the spring game on Saturday, April the 16th at high noon. They're going to do a student appreciation day in there. Uh, I'll be the pro day in there as well, which we'll talk about when that comes. That's uh, about two weeks off yet. So we'll, we'll have more on spring ball, of course, here throughout. We'll, maybe we'll try to get uh, one of the beat guys on. Of course, you could also listen to their coverage of, of spring practice and uh, our sister podcast, Real Pod Wednesdays. Highly encourage you to do that. Always love to do a little bit of cross promotion. So football, yeah. Back in our lives. Wow. Kind of wild. Hard to imagine that spring ball is already here. Let's turn our attention to our favorite segment of the program. Ask us anything. And as always, I'll remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com. All kinds of goodies, things that you should have in your life as spring ball gets underway. You betcha. Maybe some, some suave 11 warriors t-shirts or other swag. You can find it at drygoods.11warriors.com. Dot com. What do we have in the mailbag, my friend? Well, we want to remind you that you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. Let's start off with our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, what game show do you think you'd perform best in? <laughs> okay, so uh, I have to admit, this is kind of funny. Um, so we, were, I, I, I have always enjoyed uh, game shows. So I grew up watching the price is right. I thought mm-hmm. Bob Barker was a stud Dick Dawson on the family feud. Um, and then later the, the late Ray Combs, Steve Harvey tickles me on, on family feud. I really kind of enjoy that, but, um, <laughs> sometimes I wonder if I'm old enough to be watching the Steve Harvey version of family <laughs> feud, because everything feels like it's a dirty joke. Yeah. Um, no, well, that's, that, I mean, that's what it is. It, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I love jeopardy. I always wanted to do jeopardy. And, and, and I hesitate to say that's the show that I think I would be good at because every time I think that, and I can answer, or I can question a lot of answers on jeopardy when I'm watching at home. But every, every time I think, yeah, man, I'd be good at that. Then I think about a guy like Holtzauer or Ken Jennings or, mm-hmm. you know, these guys who've just gone on there and just annihilated and think, do I know that much stuff about that many different topics? Uh, and, and it gets a little intimidating. Now, you know, I, I will say, um, I, I think I'd probably do better than average. But then when you hear about what people go through just to get on the show, 
you know, and and how smart some of these people are that get on the show and then flame out spectacularly, you know, it's just really intimidating. So that's probably the show I'd I'd say I'd like to do well at because I really, I just love Jeopardy. Um, Well, and I I say that, you know, I should clarify. I loved Alex Trebek's Jeopardy. I'm the jury's still out for me on whether or not I'm, you know, all in on the current iteration of Jeopardy, Uh, but Price is Right. I'd probably do really well on Price is Right. I've watched that game show long enough that I think I have a pretty good grasp of how it usually goes and, and mm-hmm. what kind of like the pitfalls are on the different pricing games. Mm-hmm. Um, straight up. Give me Plinko, man. That was my favorite pricing game forever. Oh, so give yeah. me, give me the prices. Right. What about, what about you? What game show are you Jones to get on? I, well, now I think prices, I, I would have to agree. Prices, right. Like current Johnny prices, right. I don't care what the game is. I think I would just have probably have the most fun on that one, but uh, if we're talking about at any point in time, it really is a, a crime that I never was able to participate in where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Oh, I love that um, show. Yeah. I th- th- by itself an incredible show, but I loved and still do love geography of all kinds. And I consider myself very good at it. And I still, I, I try, I mean, I'd like to think that I am still today um you know it was a funny show it was an engaging show i would have wiped the floor with a lot of these freaking kids even back in the day i would have dominated i would have gotten that cool like gumshoe jacket yeah Um, i would have won the trip to anywhere in the lower 48 states Mm -hmm. (laughs) can't go to alaska or hawaii nope go to spokane washington you betcha sign me up and i probably would have gotten screwed because they would have given me the giant uh map of like asia where it's the size of a football field i mean i mean africa always freaked me out that you africa was also huge and yeah yeah that was i mean like i can name probably most of the countries on the african continent yeah but, it's, but i don't know where they go place them accurately uh, yeah yeah it, it that that always terrified me yeah so that i think I, w- I i think i could have prepared i think would have been okay i won i actually won my eighth grade geography b nice. in my middle school and that and that was not no small potato small small potatoes small potatoes in a middle school of about a thousand kids so i felt i felt pretty confident in myself that i could have uh, done that so uh just want that's what i'd say where in the world is carmen san diego um that would be uh that would be my choice so uh our next this actually is a clarification from last time we were talking about like uh the (laughs) rites of passage and all that kind of stuff with lifting heavy things and moving them uh various distances matt wants to point out that it's called a chieftain stone is what he said he he actually attached a uh, a bit of information here Uh, it's 252 pounds 10 paces that's not so bad usually zerker carry that for more than 10 yards so good for him nice that's 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 a that's a pretty heavy weight uh i weigh about 210 pounds and i can walk for miles so i mean that's there you go gotta count for something so um (laughs) this one's from uh our good friend nick jervy uh (laughs) shout out shout out nick uh hey, nick, is, how you doing bud how you doing buddy nice to hear from you what a fantastic human being uh nick jervy wants to know is joey brunk going for 18 points against michigan state the most delightful bench warmer lighting it up out of nowhere you've ever seen or is it just mine uh alternative question what happened in the final scene of the sopranos well actually we know what happened <laughs> in the final scene because there are <laughs> those are uh, swerve like that yeah but we know what happened in the final scene because uh what's his face the guy who was in charge of the show said that he that uh that uh what's his face got shot that that's that was the definitive ending that um james gandolfini got shot by the dude in the members only jacket um so that's that's what happened buddy nick nicky boy my my man my main man now as far as bench warmer lighting it up out of nowhere i'm sorry nick and i'm i'm actually kind of po'd that you have decided to conveniently forget this but kenny guyton winning and preserving ohio state's perfect season against purdue is in fact the correct answer to this question greatest backup quarterback of all time kenny guyton Yes. So, you know, maybe I guess you could argue that it's not truly out of out of nowhere, but really that's that's the answer. That's, it is. That's it is. Yeah, no, that, that's without without a doubt. And and I I've, I know I've told this game, this story before, but I was at that game, the Purdue game. Yeah, I was convinced Braxton Miller was dead. 
uh, they they, they, <laughs> I they think had, they, was convinced they had just yeah he was yeah and and was there a dude who ever <laughs> he was pretty good at that every time he took a hit you're like oh my god he's dead yeah. uh he Braxton Miller was dead and and not only that but Ohio State's game season you know program it was all dead right there on the field and and you know they're down by what eight with uh you know less than a minute to play and I'm like just go to you know, hit the exits it's you, you we're not. It can't, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm ready to go. People are streaming out of the shoe and the stunning Mrs. Vance to her everlasting credit looks at me. And I have to say this, you know, she is, she is not a native Ohioan. She is not a natural born Ohio state fan. She mm. is from Wheeling, West Virginia, big fan of the Mountaineers. And she looks at me. I, I think this is probably her first game in Ohio stadium. And she says, are you going to be one of those people? <laughs> and, and good for her. I, I puckered just a little. Uh, the venom that came my way you were going to be one of those people how and dare I said, you no no honey i just I, I didn't think you'd want to stay i'm being loving and caring so we stayed and it was the most amazing 60 seconds of football i've ever witnessed you know, yeah man they, and not only not only did they have score touchdown and get the two-point conversion but then they yes. had one in overtime which they, yes. they then did do so yeah it was incredible guyton guyton was the man uh i i loved watching him play every i mean there's a reason you know that the joke is that the the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town i mean it's you know hell how many times were there people in the fan base who were calling for tate martell to get in the game you know like so people are pretty dumb when it comes to backup quarterback stuff uh, and creating controversies where none exist, but yes, it is absolutely Kenny Guyton. Um, very much so the Brunk story was cool. You know, it's great that you have the Brunk game. I think part of the reason that the Brunk story, uh, is just kind of a meh now is for, you know, the first half hour of this program that you have to say, did it mean anything? Yeah, they won that game, but did it mean anything? Did Ohio state winning against Michigan state achieve anything meaningful did it really change anything about how the, no because they turned around and <laughs> pissed away the next game if yeah, they exactly. had won that game then you could say man brunk was the spark he he stopped the skid yada yada yada, yada. but then it was like nope it was a one-off aberration and <clears throat> on we go right exactly uh okay so this next one here this is from uh bryant and i want so <laughs> Yeah, I this really... one, this this one's all you. This is great. Brian. I I, I love, uh, I, I love how tuned in, uh, Brian is. Brian Brian is my guy. Uh, yeah. But I have to admit, I uh, did not have time over the weekend to do my homework for you this. You didn't one. watch so this, Blank Check. I did not. How this question you? is all you. Set this up and and educate us all, my man. Well, I want to let Brian set it up because he he sent us a really good uh, kind of intro to this question here. So he says, and I'll I'll truncate it just slightly, but he says, well, scrolling through Disney Plus, he saw a Blank Check, and you know we saw it when he was a kid. His wife saw it, and so they decided to watch it um and if you haven't seen blank check and you are not missing anything but we'll get to that Ni 1994 uh, disney film yeah so it's a movie about 11 year old kid who gets written a blank check and, and by the way brian's actually kind of selling this a little bit short he somehow finagles his way into like a mob uh situation where he becomes like the front man for a million dollar skeezy enterprise that's happening i don't know there it, i don't really understand exactly how it's supposed to work but the point is is that like a bank guy thinks he's giving hush money to the mob and he thinks that he's supposed to give it to a kid and so he gives this kid a million bucks or whatever <laughs> um yeah, and by the God, way that's set up. Note, how can you not love it <laughs> yeah well side note here's the other thing this is all i think is weird for whatever reason a lot of kids movies in the early to mid 90s I think maybe they were trying to like capture some of the other cultural zeitgeist around mob movies. You know what I mean? Cause there were a lot of those big name, like casino and Goodfellas and all that stuff. Oh yeah, sure. I think they were trying to capture some of that energy. And so for whatever reason, there's a lot of weird, awkward mob subplots and ostensibly like kids movies in the early <laughs> and mid no, no, but seriously think, okay. Dumb and dumber right where yeah. you've got like the mafia <laughs> gone fishing for whatever reason is basically entirely about the mob um there's like i <laughs> baby's day out i don't know why i know about so many of these stupid movies with mob subplots but there's a lot of them and i think it was because they were like oh this is like a the wise gaze and so there's that in blank check and i don't it's stupid but it's there um so anyway all right 
So the kid then blows a million dollars in six days. What kid wouldn't love that movie? Dream come true. Watch kid blow a million dollars on toys and how and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So this is what Brian says. Here's the problem. I hadn't seen it in probably 25 years. And let me tell you, it's awful. An unmitigated disaster. It is a total of 9% Rotten Tomatoes. There's plot holes everywhere. Uh, an actual major plot line is the tired and true guy gets the girl storyline. Except the problem is the guy is 11 and the girl's a 31 year old woman. They date for half the movie and then share an on-screen kiss on the lips at the end. Yeah, that's true. Brian's not exaggerating or like, you know, embellishing for dramatic effect. It's super creepy and gross and weird. And they spend about half of the movie's runtime on it. Um, basically, it's about this 11-year-old trying, like, legitimately trying to have sex with this adult grown woman. And the adult grown woman going, maybe. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what happens. We'll see where this goes. And it's creepy and gross and weird. And she does like kiss him on the lips at the end of the movie. And it's not like a cute thing. I don't know how you it, it's it's legitimately gross. Um, so well, anyway, <laughs> apparently there was something in the water in 1994. I don't know, man. As you're Here's describing that plot line, it took me back to the 1994 romantic comedy Milk Money starring oh, God. Ed yeah, Harris and Melanie Griffith uh similarly gross yeah. don't ask me why i saw this movie but i did and this is the plot line from our friends at wikipedia the film uh, and i'm quoting here the film is about three suburban 11 year old boys who find themselves behind in the quote battle of the sexes mm -hmm. believing they would regain the upper hand if they could just see a real live naked lady uh, and this is me then filling in the who blanks is pitching, here. Who so, is pitching these movies? And, and you know, the, the rest of the story, as I recall, and, and again, I haven't seen this movie in probably 25 years, was that these, these boys uh, then gather their milk money, hence the title of the film, Gross. and track down Melanie Griffith, who I believe was a prostitute in the film, yeah, she and, and want to pay her so they can, you know, see her uh, in the nude. Yeah. And somehow in the process... She ends up meeting one of the boys' dad, played by Ed Harris. The two of them fall in love and yada, 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 yada. Right. Uh, Ed Harris and Melanie Griffith, both delightful actors. They're fine. I love Ed Harris and The Rock and just pretty much about anything else he was ever in. He's he's, he's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I'll put this stuff out there. In what was going on in 1994? I don't know, man. It, there's just it's it's weird and creepy and gross and dumb. And and I like Brian actually did revisit Blank Check at one point and was kind of astonished at how terrible it is. And the kid, by the way, the main kid is just incredibly awful and obnoxious and just a horrible POS throughout the entire movie. And it has been noted about Blank Check. He only gets a million dollars and he spends probably 20 times that uh you know and all the crap that they show him accumulating over the uh the course of the film which is just it the house that he buys alone is just i don't know the, everything about it is stupid uh anyway he actually has a question here <laughs> um oh we spent 20 minutes setting yeah up i know the question what, what was a movie or show that you thought was great only to watch it years later to find out that it either aged horribly or is a terrible movie um I'm going to, I'm going to disappoint some people and maybe not disappoint, maybe anger some people. I got to tell you something, man. I went back and I watched Austin Powers, the first one. Uh, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago. I, I didn't think it was funny at all. Like, well, I take the back. There's, there's one funny part with uh, Will Ferrell where he gets shot and he dies really slowly. And I also really like the gag where, um, uh, Austin Powers is backing up the the truck thing in their escape and he gets it stuck like lengthwise in the hallway. That's funny to me, but there's a lot about that movie that does not work at all. Um, and it's not because I think like tastes have changed. I think it's just because I'm not in middle school anymore. Mm. And, and a lot of it just isn't as funny because I still love Dumb and Dumber. I think Dumb and Dumber is still like a work of stupid genius. But for whatever reason, Austin Powers, man, I revisit. I'm like, that's not it's not good anymore. It's not as funny. And granted, I've seen that movie probably 20 times. But uh, yeah, I hadn't seen it in a few years. And I was just like kind of surprised at how much I did not enjoy it. The 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 two um, films that immediately jumped to mind to, to mind when you asked the question that, that I remember vividly, I went on a kick and this has probably been 
God, I don't know, 15 years ago. I, I love Disney movies, like the classic Disney movies. And of course, I came up during Disney's Renaissance, you know, when they were when they were cranking out oh, yeah. uh, The Little Mermaid. I mean, that's really what sparked the return of Disney as a right. bankable animation juggernaut. Right. Mm-hmm. So you had, so you figure in the span of time, they had the little mermaid, they cranked out Aladdin, uh, the lion King beauty and the beast, maybe one of the gr- greatest films they ever did. You know, so it was just like year after year after year, they, they did what Pixar, you know, would do 25 years later right. and just every year crank out a huge hit. Right. And they were all fantastic. So I went through this phase where every time they would do this deal, and this is back when you were still, you know, you're buying DVDs. I think it's even pre blu-ray maybe. And they were going to bring one of those classic Disney films, out of the vault and this was their marketing these this is coming out of the vault and you could buy it on dvd of course you know decades before disney plus was a thing and the whole catalog was practically available at all times and so i was i was collecting those dvds because i love disney and so i remember as a kid loving loving dumbo i love elephants the elephant's my favorite mm. zoo animal so i'm going to rewatch dumbo i hadn't watched dumbo in i kid you not probably 25 years i sit down and watch it it was so hard to watch it. Now the movie's <laughs> aged fine. I'm not suggesting that it's a bad movie, but what I realized after watching it, I, I tried to watch Bambi. I couldn't get through 10 minutes of Bambi. And I was like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm out. What I realized in trying to watch those classic Disney films from before we were born mm-hmm. is that the way we do movies today is so different. Oh yeah. In terms of pacing, yeah, story development, like the amount of stuff that happens, flash, boom, bang, sis, boom, ba, in the first five minutes of a film today. I mean, my God, in those days, the credits were all up front. You spent the first 10 minutes of the movie watching the frigging credits. Yeah. And, and it just blew my mind. Like I, I remembered loving Dumbo as a kid and not being able to sit through more than a half an hour of it watching it on dvd it was it was really tough um the other had a similar experience with a more recent film uh i say relatively speaking so do you remember here a couple years ago they they did like animated versions of the adams family mm-hmm. uh and i think like charlie's throne was uh, was morticia i'm trying to remember who all was cast in it but my daughter got a big kick out of them thought they were hilarious so it's like okay let's go back and watch the raul julia um you know, 1990s Adam. So I love uh-huh. that movie. That was a great movie. Christopher, Christopher Lloyd is uncle Fester. Yeah. Um, um, oh, shucks. I'm blanking out on who played Morticia. I can picture her. What is her name? Oh my God. Angelica Houston, Angelica yeah. Houston as Morticia, uh, you know, really well cast big names in the Adams family. I love that movie <laughs> down to watch it. And my wife and my daughter are both like, what is this crap? <laughs> See, I love that movie. Oh, I, I do too. I do too. But like, so it is so aggressively weird. Like it is. They, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. The, it does not try to be a, a crowd pleasing movie. Like it really isn't. And that's what I kind of enjoy about it. It's just. It's really just <laughs> taking the weirdness and cranking up the ten. And if you don't like it, that's fine. And it's it's a different. You're right. It's a different style of of movie making. And I I don't know. I, I I'm with you. It's it's interesting to see how some of these have changed uh just in terms of the way we think about them um yeah i don't know man it's 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 hard sometimes to go back but uh anyway to to bring this full circle don't watch blank check it sucks oh hey, but if you have a if you have a, a a desire to watch a movie like that uh just go watch brewster's millions i was to say brewster's millions. oh my there, god yeah. i love i love that movie i i want i feel like i watched that again here and in one of the challenges about watching movies from that you know from that era it's like going back trading places one of my favorite movies of all time and you go back and watch some of these movies and like some of the oh god there's some stuff in trading places where you're like <laughs> i that was that's pretty horrific i can't believe they yeah. would even even yeah. even in the 80s when that was made it was kind of like huh my, my wife and I will watch nobody some of the, said anything about that. We go back and watch some of those class, like the eighties in particular, there were some really interesting things in the eighties where you watch a movie like that. You watch a movie like Brewster's millions, watch a movie like, like trading places. And, and invariably there'll be a, a line or a scene or something. And we'll look at each other and be like, Oh, couldn't do that today. Yeah. Ooh, well, Dan Aykroyd spends like a good, what? 30 minutes of, of trading places and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, you know, and, and, and to their credit, like, I'm sure if that you ask them today, like they're, they're parodying the fact that you know the dukes are horrible oh, yeah. racists I mean, it's, and right. like it's you know or or that you have these white collar upper crusters who who really do behave that way like it's you know it's kind of like uh 
uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, right? Like Robert right. Downey Jr. didn't get pilloried for doing blackface because the whole gist was it's it's you know we're lambasting this character, right? Uh, anyway, all that not- all that said, but I still love both of those movies, uh, Rooster's Millions and Trading Places, two of my absolute favorites. Great, great, great films. Uh, real quick, what would have Kid Andy or Kid Me have spent a, a million dollars on? I, I'm going to say I would have spent a million dollars traveling to Kaufman Astoria Studios in Queens, New York, to participate in Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego. <laughs> and win I, and win a trip to anywhere in the lower 48 states uh i wanted the batmobile um i would have well, accepted either the original 1960s version of the the batmobile uh the the adam west version of the batmobile which i thought was super sick i loved watching that show in in rerun syndication uh would have also accepted the 1989 tim burton version of the batmobile which i saw at the dayton auto show at the uh former Hera arena um as a kid and got my picture taken with it It was like one of those that you could walk up stand in front of the car they would take a polaroid you know your mom and dad paid like 20 bucks to get the polaroid of you standing next to the batmobile and it was one of the coolest things that ever happened to me in my childhood just standing next to the batmobile you know was this wasn't get in the batmobile this wasn't Mm -hmm. like take the batmobile around the parking lot and do donuts it was just standing next to the batmobile it was the coolest thing ever. What would I have spent a million dollars on? The Batmobile. Yeah, that's, that's it. Good choice. That was the good thing. Choice. I was, I, you know, I'm nine, ten years old, whatever it is. I'm not driving the Batmobile, but that's that's what I wanted. I wanted the Batmobile. Like it. All right. So that's ask us anything for this week. Continue sending those excellent, amazing questions in, and uh, we'll keep answering them. All right. Let's get this horse pointed back toward the bar. Kirk Herb Street reportedly set to call some Thursday night NFL games for Amazon while uh, keeping his day job in theory at ESPN for college football coverage. Uh, I don't want to talk so much about Herbie here uh, and, and him getting another gig. Good on him. I have said consistently, I think Herb Street is, is the best analyst in football, college or, or NFL, the best color guy out there. Um, I, I like some other analysts as well, but Herbie to me is the gold standard today. My question for you is more about the Amazon component of this. We, we've had a number of conversations over the years about the future of our relationship with the broadcasters who carry these Mm. games. Do you see Amazon moving the needle for live sports anytime soon? Yeah, I do because they have the money to do it. They they can burn as much money as they can to try to like speak it into existence. You know what I mean? It's not my question is why? Like why? I I think that's what I struggle with with Amazon's play into this because they can make money. I mean, that's that's they think that it can it can eventually you know be an asset for them that they can they can make money on them. I mean, I think that's that's pretty much the end result of it. It's not. I mean, look if you've got something like the NFL. Right. Which right now is making money hand over fist, particularly in broadcasting and you're Amazon, you're going, okay, well, maybe we lose some cash in the first like three or four years on this, but eventually we'll make it back. Then that's, then I think they'll, they're perfectly willing to make that kind of investment. I thought it was interesting in the story. Uh, Amazon apparently got turned down by Troy Aikman, Sean McVay and John Lynch. Uh, so Herb Street wasn't necessarily their first choice. But I, but I got to admit, I mean, I think it's a good move for Amazon. Um, You know, if you want to say Troy Aikman's the gold standard of, of NFL um, color guys currently, I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, aside from getting somebody who's currently doing it, I don't know how, I don't know how you could not be anything but tickled if you're them getting a guy of Herbie's caliber. Yeah, well, and and name recognition too, right? Like that's, you know, there are guys, there are people who will, tune into that purely because they're like all right well i like this guy in college broadcasting so i'll watch his nfl stuff too i just you know to me i think eventually that's where a lot of this is headed is this kind of a la carte streaming kind of thing for for sports but um you know i also think that uh it may not happen as quickly as i think just because you know these networks are gonna hold on like grim death to their (laughs) broadcasting rights um because it's it's just too much of a money maker so this is where i think it's it's heading but it it may take a little bit to get there fully well we will we will see what happens i'm i'm skeptical of how much i think amazon becomes a player just because i think of all of the streaming services i subscribe to Amazon is the furthest one down my list of ones that I watch semi regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would I would put Netflix, Disney Plus, the ESPN package, any of the mainstream broadcasters who now have an over the top streamer 
um, and, and YouTube, all those services I use before I use Amazon, Amazon. The only thing I feel like I watch on Amazon is, uh, my, my daughter and I have been binging green acres, uh, speaking oh, of, go. speaking of, you know, and oddly enough, uh, she loves that. She thinks green acres is like the height of comedy. Okay. Um, and she's not wrong. Uh, she also, you know, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. Nine-year-old girl also really loves watching reruns of Hee Haw on YouTube, okay. <laughs> which I loved as a kid. I just did not expect a nine-year-old in the year of our Lord, 2022 to find reruns of Roy Clark and Buck Owens. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm not me. sure that that's, uh, the, 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 the norm. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> yeah, know. If are you, are you saying my child is a, is, is a, is a unique and special flower? Yeah. Honey? I don't know. That you took a survey sample of like a hundred, you know, young, young children and say, Hey, you know, hee haw or like, you know, teen Titans go, which, which is your favorite. Oh, she I'm, loves okay. teen Titans go by the way. Also, uh, teen okay. Titans go trouble in Tokyo. Um, which she thought was outstanding. Love We're saying that. if it's one or the other, <laughs> Probably he has probably got an upward uh, hill to, to to hoe there. I, I don't know that that's really gonna. I don't know that that's gonna move the needle for most kids. Things the little Tyke and I watch on YouTube together. So we watch uh, we watch Hee Ho, uh, Yummy Boy. Yeah, there's a there's a YouTuber called Yummy Boy. Oh God. who does South Korean street food videos. We watch okay. that quite a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we have pretty eclectic tastes in things that we stream nice. on on youtube so all right great show my friend lee will be back next week to talk about uh the ongoing uh struggles of the ohio state basketball yeah. team we'll talk about how things are coming along with spring practice now officially underway and until then i'm andy i'm johnny thanks for joining us on the 11 dubcast